Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of Big League Flicks, a sports movie podcast. I'm Jamie McKinman, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Christian Webster and Jordan Reed. How are we doing tonight, boys? Hey, boys, back in the Raj tonight after a couple weeks hiatus. Uh, Got to recharge the batteries. It was a nice little break. Glad to be back. Big, big show tonight. Great to be back on. Great show, as like Webb said tonight, most definitely. Um, maybe a great beer tonight, too, Webb. Uh, something that you're a little the excited best. about. Uh, yeah, looking forward to this one, everybody. Yep. So we're uh, we're right in the swing of uh, college football season. The weather's nice and crispy out there. So we've got one of the all-time great sports movies and one of the great all-time football, especially college sports movies, with 1993's Rudy. After high school, I'm going to play football at Notre Dame. Chasing a stupid dream causes nothing but you and everyone around you heartache. The problem with dreamers is they usually are not doers. Are you fully aware of the sacrifices you're going to have to make? It's the most beautiful campus in the world. Having dreams is what makes life tolerable. Notre Dame is for rich kids, smart kids, great athletes. It's not for us. Ever since I was a kid, I wanted to go to school here. And ever since I was a kid, everybody said it couldn't be done. I always listened to them, believe what they said. I don't want to do that anymore. Hey, kid! Not supposed to be here. Not everyone is meant to go to college. I need your help. Why should I help? I just want to be a part of this university. You're nuts. Yeah, a lot of people have been telling me that lately. Sometimes a winner is a dreamer who just won't quit. <laughs> hey, you guys! My son's going to Notre Dame! I'm here to play football for the Irish. God would put your heart in some of my players' bodies. A true story from the creators of Hoosiers. You ready, champ? I'm ready for this my whole life. Okay, <laughs> that trailer. <laughs> like, how do you have? How do you have one of the greatest composers in like? Not only sports movie history, but movie history in Jerry Goldsmith. And you don't use any of Jerry Goldsmith's amazing music for the official trailer for the movie. This is one of the worst trailers we've had. It's in the top three of the worst. It's pretty bad. Pretty, pretty bad. Pretty bad. For how big of a movie this is? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Yeah, this is bad. Well, unless you're new, at this point in the show, it's time uh, to get into a nice cold beer. Without further ado, let's jump into our brew review. What we drink tonight, Webb? Well, boys, this week's selection really was a no-brainer. For an iconic character like Rudy, the most iconic football program of all time. And here come the Irish! That produced the greatest football quarterback of all time, Joe Montana, no big deal. 
We needed a beer just as iconic. We needed a pint that embodies the legendary fighting Irish spirit and is just as famous as the Golden Dome of South Bend. That's why this week we're traveling to St. James Gate in beautiful Dublin, Ireland for a delicious pint of Arthur Guinness's finest, Guinness Original Draft. Rich and creamy, distinctively black, velvety in its finish, this iconic beer is defined by harmony. Sip after sip, sweet counters bitter as the malt arrives on cue to complement a base of roasted barley. Just as the unmistakable white head sits flush atop the dark beer, so do the flavors counter and combine perfectly to form a truly unique flavor and smooth finish. At 4.2%, this creamy stout is perfect for any occasion 365 days a year. Guinness, made of more. For more information on this and many of their other fantastic beers, check them out at Guinness.com and give them a follow on all social media platforms by checking out at Guinness. As always, Big Luke Flicks reminds you to please enjoy responsibly and always ensure you have a safe ride home. Slanche, fellas. Slanche. There you go. I'm just going to pour this into my Guinness glass. He has a proper Guinness glass straight from Ireland tonight. Yeah. This guy is ready to rock. <laughs> Webb's ready tonight. He, he's decked yeah, out. He's in full uh, swag. We'll probably take a, put a picture of him yeah, in his full gonna, swag. We're going to have to do this. This is, this is Webb's element. The, he's he's <laughs> ready to rock. I thought you were going to say Tommy Reese is <laughs> the, the greatest quarterback. The Nectar of the Gods tonight, fellas. The Nectar of the Gods. The the I gods. thought you were going to say Tommy Reese is the uh, greatest quarterback. Okay. I was, I was wondering about Tommy Although Reese. Although he's making a hell of a name of, for himself as an offensive coordinator. He is a great OC. I and thought we were going with Brady Quinn. I like I love I the memo. Brady okay. Quinn. I miss the memo. Or I Jimmy love Brady Clawson. Quinn. Jimmy Clawson. <laughs> <laughs> Just cheap shot after Deshaun cheap shot. Deshaun Kaiser. <laughs> Two sips. You know the deal. Oh, Guinness never lets me down. What do you got, Jr? I'm with you. With you on this one, Webb. It's such a great pint. I was just saying to you guys before we started how I could sit down and have a few Guinness, tip a few Guinnesses back, and at some point in the very near future with this cold weather. Tastes delicious. All those things you said, Webb. Ah, uh, it's refreshing. Got to go high on this one, guys. Nine one. Yeah. Going yeah, I high. think. Uh, yeah, I think you hit it all. I mean, it's just a, such a great beer. It brings back a lot of memories. It's got that nice toasty flavor to it. So I'm going high too. I'm going. I'm gonna go with a nine two. Yeah, I don't blame you. Is this not a beer? When one you of go, my favorites. When you go to like a pub and you get a Guinness, oh. it just feels right. It just brings a lot of like emotions and thoughts and yeah. memories and it's great for the season. It's, like, it's a Christmas beer too, like, you know. Totally. So. Totally is. It's an everyday beer for this guy. Uh, <laughs> as I like to say, I've killed more Irishmen than the potato famine. Um, <laughs> I'm going, obviously, 9-9. Nine, nine. And the only reason Ayo. I'm going, the only reason I'm going 9-9 nine, nine and not a perfect 10 is because you have to drink it out of a glass. Uh, and that... It's not as good in the can as it is on draft, obviously. But Mrs. Webster's not going to be best. happy with that score. No, because you're you're a beer whore. Well, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the term she used? A beer whore. Isn't that the term she used? A be- yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, there's nothing above this one for me. You guys know I drink this one pretty much every day of the year. If we ever go out, it's always my go-to choice. It is. It's very true. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I got stories after stories about this beer um my 30th birthday was going to the guinness brewery on a 24-hour flight to get there and be first in line at 9 30 in the morning after taking a four-month guinness fast and hammering pints at 9 30 in the morning <laughs> after sleeping for 20 minutes it was fantastic this is all true yeah <laughs> can't well, say enough well as we mentioned we're today we're doing rudy an iconic sports movie directed by david and spa 
Distributed in 1993 by TriStar Pictures, it got a 7.5 rating on Internet Movie Database and a 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. Had a budget of $12 million and grossed only $22.8 million at the box office. Music by Jerry Goldsmith, starring Sean Astin, Ned Beatty, Charles S. Dutton, Robert Prosky, and John Favreau. Quick movie synopsis, Daniel E. Rudy Rudiger has had a lifelong dream to play football at the University of Notre Dame. The only problem is he doesn't have the grades, the money, or the athletic ability to do so. Growing up in a large family in a small blue-collar mill town, dreams are far and few between. Reality sets in for Rudy after high school when his best friend and only supporter tragically dies in a steel mill accident. Rudy decides to put it all on the line. Battling immense adversity, Rudy overcomes his size, athletic ability, dyslexia, and a lack of family support to beat all odds. Rudy not only gains admission to Notre Dame, but he makes the football team, achieving his ultimate dream. Let's jump into our character review. Let's start out with Daniel E. Rudy Rudiger, played by Sean Astin. All right. I am kind of all over the place with this character, guys. There's one part of me I wrote down. Just an unreal character. Um, His drive is admirable. Um, a lot of respect for the drive. A lot of respect for Rudy about breaking out of the, his norm, what everyone else wants him to fall into in his town. Joliet, maybe. A Joliet Catholic. Joliet. Yeah. I think it might have been a jo- Joliet. He wasn't supposed to do what he was, what he did. And I think there's a lot of credit for that through the drive. of. I'm going to speak to the character because it's the movie. I'm just going to speak to the movie. So the character, um, all the ri- the risk taker, he was a motivator. He didn't care if he made people mad along the way. He was accountable. He held people accountable. There's a lot of things about him, and he embraced the struggle. I think we were talking earlier, guys, about the importance of teaching people now to embrace the struggle a little bit, and out of struggle can come a lot of good things. And I think we learn a lot of that from Rudy in this movie, and it carries into us, and kind of in our own selves, it kicks us in the butt a little bit too, to try to you know motivate us, so to speak. So there's a lot of huge things I had about him. Obviously, as a football player, he, he had his limits. He had his academic limits. He had his physical limits. That's well documented. We know that. Um, his intensity is admirable. Again, his ability to take on various roles and jobs and duties and join any club he could is admirable. Um, his role as a prep team player, which is a, just an awful job to do. And I think it's pretty well documented in this movie. They do a good job of that, where you are going to get the crap beat out of you and no one cares. No one cares. That's your job. You're live tackling. You're a, you're a practice body. Yeah. And he embraces that. And a lot of people don't. And his buddies don't. And... You can tell they're just miserable while they're doing it. So there's a one side of me that really likes this character. And there's the other side. Where, God, he's annoying. <laughs> You're so annoying. You're just that little pest that won't go away. How That's many, also part of what makes him great. We should have this thing. How many beers could you ha- have with him? That should be like a new scale for us. How many beers could I have? If he's as annoying as he was, Mary, Mary, quake and dry, I just got yeah. to walk away. Well, I was just going to say... He's a lightweight. A he wouldn't be able to get through more than two pints anyways before he's drunk <laughs> off his ass. Every time he opens up after he's having a couple, he gets himself into trouble. Like I, how many? Do you think you can get through a full pint with him? Yeah. One I pint. could. Yeah, I could, ha- I could have two. I could, I could only because we would talk about Notre Dame football. That's true. Like he, he, You guys would go on for days. But oh, I yeah. feel like if you talked about Notre Dame football with him, he wouldn't let you talk. That's also yeah, true. You would talk about point. going to your games. Webster's guys has been to Notre Dame games. I'm sure you'll talk about them. But like, yep. he would cut you off. That's a good point. 
you wouldn't even get a chance to talk about the first time you saw Touchdown Jesus. Yeah. Like, and another thing, and some random guy in 1961. You're like, I don't care. I That's why I loved Pete. Pete, Pete had like, the patience of a, of a saint. Yeah. I had a couple things, though, about the annoying part of Rudy. He just was pestering. Yeah. Um, I get why sometimes teammates, he was a great teammate, but he at was, the same yeah. time, that sometimes, you know, the big offensive lineman sometimes where he kind of shows them up, that stuff is hard, too. Yeah, I mean the Vince Vaughn part is its own. The Jamie O'Hara I'm, part I'm is its own thing. I'm glad they had that scene in the movie with uh, with that big offensive line where he kind of like lets him slide on the yeah on the block. Yeah, where he pities pities him basically. Yeah, because that's uh, that was a really good scene to include. It was it really shows how, and I'm sure that was based on something. It must have been based on an incident or something. One, it shows the love that the team has for yeah. him, but also <laughs> at the same time, like how he's going to push the team, I guess. So, yeah. yeah, it's a lot of depth there. I I kind of with you the last part, and, and this may sound kind of uh, unpopular for sure, but I have him a little bit as a user too, right? Like he's very driven and he has his 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 desire to get to Notre Dame and play and everything else, but he kind of uses people along the way to get there, whether it's Pete, whether it's his dad getting him a job, whether it's, uh, what's his mm-hmm. name, Dutton or whatever, to get, yeah. some, get like – fortune yeah yeah fortune sorry and like just kind of like you know breaking in there and like he's he's essentially breaking in and putting that guy's ass on the line before he gives him the key like there's a couple little things like that where i'm just like yeah you're kind of like yeah it's admirable that you're so driven and that you have a a singular focus and all that stuff and uh that's all great but at the same time like yeah you kind of like also step on people sometimes the wrong way to get to where you're going. And, and that's not as admirable to me. So, you know, I, I think it's kind of, yeah, a double-edged sword. You, you like him enough, but you also, you like certain things about him, but you hate certain things too. Uh, let's move on to Daniel Rudiger Sr., played by Ned Beatty. I actually really liked him. I liked this character. He played a great small town dad. He played a great small town. Like, you know, he didn't know how to do better. And kind of accepted mediocrity, where this guy doesn't know. I literally wrote a note in there. He just doesn't know, and he doesn't have goals. Like we talked about small goals doesn't or big goals. Doesn't know how to dream. He doesn't have that dream. When would he have time, though? He had 11 kids. That is true. <laughs> Good old. I, or, and, sorry, 12 kids. He had seven sisters and... A bazillion. I don't know. Yeah. And his dad took off, so he was yeah. probably working from the time he was 11. I put a note in there that he needed... This is where, in instance, he needed Rudy to break the cycle. He yeah. needed to learn how to pull out. He did. He could have learned. <laughs> he could have learned that for seven ninety nine at Chopper's Drug Mart. You can take care of this too. At your <laughs> There's a lot Rite of things aid. you can a Rite aid. A right aid or a, what's those giant hey. Walgreens or I don't know CBS. if Mike Pence listened to this, but put the earmuffs on. Your ah! yeah, sorry, Pence. There's a fly on your head. You're busy. <laughs> I got some raid over here if you need it. <laughs> Hit the bricks. Um, I had all those. So he's afraid to fail. Uh, one's a mill job, but there's nothing wrong with that generation. Hear me out on this one, guys. Like that house, how he talks about the security. Yeah. And you're in a huge family and getting that security. I understand what he's saying. Oh, 100%. that's the generation that's coming off of the depression. Though, that's right? right. Their parents were through the depression. So they're coming off of that. And they're, exactly. that's what they're, the security piece is huge for them. Yes. That's and if their goal. That's you their even goal. look at like even our parents, like pension benefits, that's everything. Yeah. I've been told that even myself for a really long time. Yeah. And the new generation, they don't care as much about that. But we're going back many years. So that idea of security in a giant family in a town that looks pretty depressed. Yeah. That looks like a middle America, John Cougar Mellencamp type town. Yeah. 
that it's Indiana. Indiana, let's call it like it is, or you know, like somewhere. So Webb, those are the kind of things I had. Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of all those things you said. He's he's not good at dreaming. He is. He's practical, right? Uh, and, and he wants what's best for his kids. And in his mind, what's best for his kids is, like you said, safety and security uh, and predictability, right? Like you, you go here to this job at the mill, you'll have these hours, you'll work hard, you'll keep your head down, you'll be able to have a decent life, you'll be able to raise your own family, get a small little house. Like he, he, he has that as his mindset and it really, he really struggles to kind of convey any other sense of like that's his to him that's showing love towards mm-hmm. his kids and to Rudy especially right and so he has a hard time especially connecting with this kid Rudy who's just this dreamer and completely out there um I mean he has some touching moments obviously later on in the film he's got two of my favorite lines in the movie um you know and we'll get into those in a, in a few minutes I'm not going to drop them now but um he he does he does what he's trying to do best. And, and like you said, he's a product of that era, right? Mm-hmm. He, I think he did a great job, the actor himself, playing it. I think they they wrote it well. I'm sure that was fairly similar to what Rudy's dad was probably actually like. But I thought he did a great job, Jim. Yeah. No, and you guys nailed everything, so I don't have any, really much to add. The only thing I will say is, uh, so Ned Beatty plays it. He's a great actor. Yeah. And, yes. Uh, it's hard for me, though, because one of the most famous roles I remember Ned Beatty in was Deliverance. Mm-hmm. We like a pig. Yeah. That was the character. He was uh, the character that kind of got it the bad the bad end of the stick in that one. But um, yeah, awesome, awesome uh, job by Ned Beatty playing Daniel Rudiger Senior. So let's move on to Pete, uh, played by Christopher Reed. Uh, he's actually one of my favorite characters in the movie. He's not in it long, I know, but first of all, what a jacket! Sick. What a gift. What a jacket. Oh. That's a friend. This guy That's... knows Rudy. That jacket to me right there is this guy that knows Rudy. I wonder and if he still has that jacket. That was a sweet I jacket. Bet he does. He's got it. Webby Sean Austin? No, like, so, well, that oh, was, I was going to say, he's for sure got that. He's for sure got it. Like, if I were playing that role, I'd be like, you can take 50 million or 50,000 off my role. I'm taking this jacket. Okay, <laughs> it's but about wicked. the jacket, you know the scene where he walks in and all the actual varsity guys have their Letterman jackets on <laughs> yeah. and he walks past them? If you're one of those big varsity guys, you're not looking at him and be like, nice jacket, loser. Like, <laughs> nice knockoff jacket. I think there's so much you could make fun of this guy that you don't even pick it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's low hanging fruit right there. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, just too easy. One enough. of those guys, though. They, Maybe they, a third team guy. Maybe Jamie O'Hara would have a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I put that he's just an awesome friend. And this is one of the few people that we see who, quote, gets Rudy. Yeah. He gets him. Not a lot of people in this movie do. And Pete really does. And I actually really liked his character. I like what he brought. Um, obviously it's sad brings some you know that emotional piece too but he also gives rudy more motivation and it's the final kick in the butt that gives rudy that i'm out here now it's time to go because he was in that he was about to go down that pigeonhole he was looking at the houses he was you know there was something about it that you're like this guy's just gonna go back into middle america and be a dude but pete even you know he his demise he still gives him that boot to go do it yeah, I got nothing more to add. No, nope, neither do I. Let's move on to Father Kavanaugh, played by Robert Prosky. Uh, great guy. Seems like a legit guy. His personality is amazing. Um, he reminds me of a couple of priests here in town, in Kingston, that I know of. <laughs> uh, he, I, I would love to sit down and have a Guinness with that guy. Yeah. How many, how many beers is he on the beer scale? Ten. 
Ten points. Oh yeah, I'd have ten points. I'd, 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 I'd take the night with him. In well, he crushes. He crushes scotch and misses out. That's true. Yeah, and he seems true. like a good time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I would sit down and have a pint with him any day. Yeah. Uh, very. Just a, seems like a good conversationalist. Grounds Rudy. He gives him some that real guy to talk to. Yeah. Um, and a very good mentor and gives him a lot of guidance. But yep, he's he's the priest you wish was a priest. Yeah. Right? Like he's just that guy that's always going to be there to listen, non-judgmental, uh, non to not preachy, not he's just like a he's what you would think a modern day priest would be versus, you know, the guy that is supposed to be his uh, Rudy's kind of like high school advisor and basically shits all over his dreams and says, like, what are you trying to do getting on this bus? Like, come on. Oh, yeah. Like that guy oh. is such a tool. Um, he's zero beers. Yeah, none. no, <laughs> no. He'd be throwing holy water at you for even thinking about a beer. Um, yeah, not happening with him. Uh, so yeah, Father Kavanaugh, beauty of a guy. I think uh, he he's again needed just to kind of give Rudy a little bit more depth as well, just to sh- to show that uh, you know that Rudy has really actually thought this through and that these goals are something that uh, are, are something that are super serious for him. I don't know. Yeah, you guys nailed it. Let's move on to D-Bob, played by John Favreau. <laughs> this Lady guy killer. has no wheels. Uh, <laughs> <Lady> killer. <laughs> Holy cow, he's no bad wheels. with he's bad with ladies. I'm sorry. I love it. Uh, what a job by Favreau, though. He did. He was fantastic, obviously, yeah. in the role. But D-Bob. Holy cow. He just he was a head shaker the whole time. Remember uh when I was watching a couple of times my wife would walk by and just hear a little bit and just shake her head and just keep walking down the hall. You're the old National Lampoons magazine in his workbook. Oh yeah. Yes, huh? Just just brutal. Um again though, he was one of those true friends for Rudy. Yeah. yeah Rudy absolutely. needed an academic in his corner. Oh yeah. And he got one. Yep. And it was a fair trade. It that's pure though to me, like College age or whatever age, we're like, I'm good with books. You're good at talking to girls. We're going to help each other in our own ways. And they did. And that's that part was kind of neat. And it seemed very real where, you, you know, you have that. And they each gave them each other kind of a service. And in the end, they both do really well, obviously. But There's still buddies to this day. I saw in a documentary that I watched. Really? Oh, really? That's yeah. cool. There's a documentary called Rudy the Walk-On. It's on YouTube. Try and check it out. It's actually really cool. Basically, the real Rudy... It goes back to the campus. He walks around. Everybody on campus knows him. Like, he's a legend there, right? It's the greatest campus of all time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and and basically, he they have a, a section where he goes and I think D-Bob lives down in, like, Florida or something now. But they go down there and they have a couple beers and they are, like, talking to a group of people on the bar in the bar and stuff. And just telling their story and, and their, their banter is awesome. It's just like hilarious. Does D-Bob drop any goddamns? Oh. <laughs> yeah. He, Holy those have been cut cow. Those have been cut He's not allowed to drop those anymore. No. Yeah. He was a great character though. Yeah. Loved him. Yeah. Just like lovable guy. You know, you root for him. You, you feel bad for him at the same time. He provides that little bit of comic relief in an otherwise pretty serious movie. Um, and so, you know, Favreau does a great job. I don't know if this is this has got to be one of his first roles. Too. I was trying to think because I know it's Vince Vaughn's. Yeah, you would think they would have met on this for before Swingers. Yeah, because right? there was a whole group of guys that came out of uh, like a theater troupe in Illinois. Yeah, and it was um, What's that Vince one called? Vaughn, Second City or something. Or? I think Favreau was part of that group. And who's the guy? He's classic, iconic. Um, he was in Entourage. He's the agent. Ari Gold? Oh, Piven. P- Jeremy, Jeremy Piven. Piven yeah. Jeremy Piven. He's yeah, part. Yeah. It was actually his like dad that kind of started it all. Oh, or cool. Whatever. 
yeah, so they're all part of like. Do you that. remember Jeremy Piven in PCU? Ah, yeah, that's what I was gonna what say. A great movie. Is a PCU is an movie. underrated. That was Van Wilder before Van Wilder. PCU. PCU yeah. was a great it movie. Was really good. Yeah. Here's what you get to do. <laughs> yeah, Debo, uh, or whatever. Sorry, great character. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's the Elsa? Like, what a looker. Whew. Yeah. Good for him. I yeah. don't know, James. I got nothing else to add. No, I'm good. Let's move on to Fortune, played by Charles S. Dutton. Uh, my favorite character in the movie. You guys, sorry, Rudy, but this guy was my favorite character. He's the ground that Rudy needed. Gave Rudy motivation. He kicked him in the butt when needed. The tough love, Rudy. Rudy was good for tough love, but he started when Rudy started that "what was me" stuff. Fortune was the one who kept telling him, "Remember, you're getting education." That's the one thing you kind of forget in this movie is you get so enamored with football. You talked about the blinders. You're getting educated the whole time you're there. And no one, we always talked about that, no one can take that from you. So no matter what, you're going to leave here with education. So I really like that about him. But he, I loved how this bitter and angry he is too, Webb. That kind of hits into the old grumpy Mr. Webster kind of thing where you're like, yep. this guy's great. Love this guy. Yeah. has probably the most iconic lines in the movie. Uh, you know what he is? He's Rudy's dad on campus, right? Like, you yes. remember, you know, remember that feeling? Like, I don't know about you guys because... Well, Jamie, you did too, but yeah, your parents were still kind of in town and Big Tom was associated with the baseball team and that when you were there. Mm-hmm. So, but like, I remember going away and you move away from home for the first time. You're away from your folks. And I had a guy, you know, Hamilton dad, shout out to my buddy Ross. Uh, and he, he looks out for you a little bit, just keeps you on the straight and narrow. Make sure you're not, you know, partying too much or like taking advantage of, of things and kind of just keeping your head focused on the end goal, which is to be mm-hmm. a productive member of. The human race, essentially. Um, and so, you know, all those things you said about him giving him a little bit of tough love, 100% accurate, and you needed him. Um, and he also has some pretty funny lines, too, that are, he's hilarious. That are pretty good when he's, you know, talking about the, uh, the hey, get back to work here when he's running, the, <laughs> he's breaking at the 35 and going for the run. But yeah. Which he actually secretly loved. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And his clap. I like his clap, too. That's yeah. an aggressive man's clap right there. Yeah, Mrs. Mrs. Webster asked me if, if uh, for Christmas I'd like somebody just to like a whole room of people just to walk in and have a slow clap like fortunes. And I <laughs> yeah. said, you know what? I might. That'd be yeah. all right. It'd be yeah. okay. Or if that I, was your ringtone? Yeah. Just. I, I can see Webb. I can see you like retiring from teaching, con- convincing Sarah to move down to South Bend. And then oh, take, no. and taking a <laughs> taking a retirement job at the uh, at the stadium. At the head groundskeeper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, become the head just, just walk around all the places. You have five foot nothing. A hundred and nothing. <laughs> just rip it on the freshman. Notre Dame <laughs> might be the world's greatest campus. South Bend's the one of the world's worst towns, so I gotta make the trip with you guys. South Bend so is an bad. adventure in and of itself. Next time when this COVID stuff lifts, I'm coming with you guys. I mean, time. shout out to the lovely people of South Bend. I love yeah. you. Yeah. I love yeah. you, South Bend. We don't, we don't need See to you again that. soon. That's okay. I don't think we have any followers from South Bend. <laughs> uh, let's Charlie Weiss? Oh. Let's, <laughs> no. start, let's start talking about some uh, kind of uh, other notable characters. Uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to to Frank Rudiger. <laughs> oh, what a prick. What a loser. What a tool. Yes. Not only am I going to question him as a brother, I'm going to question him as a Notre Dame fan. Rudy has to beg him to come watch a game, a live game at Notre Dame Stadium. You're a loser. You're a fake fan. You don't actually care. You're there because your dad's there. Like, it's I like hate driving to Ottawa, too. I checked it on a map. It's not far at it's all. It's like oh, driving sure. to Ottawa, basically. No. And they all take a bus. Yeah. 
First, you know, just go for few, the tailgate, you loser. Yeah. I'd be having a few pops on the bus. I'd, I'd be hanging out at the tailgate. Oh yeah, I'd be playing games and who Fra- knows? Come on, Frank should Frank. just stay in the parking lot. Just be better. Yeah, stay home and work at the mill, Frank. That's my favorite, right. one of my favorite parts. There's so many good parts in the movie. One of my favorite parts, so sneaky good part, was when Rudy goes back and gives his dad the letter that he got in. Yeah, and Frank was just choked, right? Oh yeah, just sitting there all pouty and sitting in the booth there in the in the mill. Just for both both his brothers. What a, the other brother cutting his grass? Yeah. I'm like, come on! I am. I, I want. I've to- got. Yeah, I've got a note about him. Uh, Johnny. Oh, Johnny's yeah. a snake. Johnny's oh. a huge snake. Because uh, Rudy's been with that girl since he was in public school. Yeah. Way to that's, go, Sherry. That's the girl from the beginning. Remember when he's like, this is Rudy's girlfriend? He's like, he's not. Like, that's the same girl. Yeah. I wanted what to ask you guys. Snake. What about? What do you think about Sherry? When she's older, Lily Taylor, she's cute. I think Sherry... Oh, are we talking about her looks here? Uh, no, I mean, just as a character. As a oh, character. sorry. I'm making I me think she. I think she... Uh, to be quite honest, I think she did what she had to do. So did I. I don't I fault. I don't that. fault I her. I fault his brother for You're being Joliet. Yeah. You're gonna, there's not exactly. a lot. There's Slim Pickens and Joliet. I, I, th- I fault the brother on being a snake. <laughs> yeah, he's I, the snake. I agree with you. I put that down about her too. Where I noticed, I was like, I put that she was so patient. Yeah, she was good. She tried. Yeah, I, I don't blame her for being like, I can't go with you. Like, but then like, why would you, you don't blame Rudy? No, 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 no. Rudy had to do what he had to do. I don't blame Rudy. I don't blame her. But then, like, I get that you had to break up and do whatever. But, like, you didn't have to be with his brother. No. That's Even though there's 500 of them in that no, town. And they probably make up 42% of the male population. No. But you don't do that. No, she should have gone down to Marianne's bar there. And, uh, yeah. How, side note, though. How sick is that bar? What a time. And and shuffleboard. And that, yeah. Shuffleboard. Uh, sign me up. I love Buffalo. shuffleboard. Buffalo. <laughs> we played bump in the day. Rev and I played shuffleboard in Buffalo one night. And how uh, how cool would it be, like, working at the mill, and every Friday, everybody goes to the bar, and you just sit there. And just order a bunch of Boilermakers. Yeah. yeah. Just hammer and bud in Boilermakers. Sea bass comes in with a couple of Boilermakers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get some greasy fish and chips or something out of there. It'd be delicious. That'd be fun. That shuffleboard's yeah. a fun game. Oh, yeah. So the next one I had on my list was Sherry, but we already talked about her. So let's talk about Era Parsegian, played by Jason Miller. I mean, Coach is a legend. Oh, yeah. The guy's a legend. He did a good job. I thought he did a good job. You know what? The time. Imagine right today if you walked into Alabama, scumbags, office, (laughs) and you came up the Nick Saban secretary. COVID. Scumbag. Like, I'm going to play for you. And you you actually walked right into, you know, Coach Saban's office. That's not happening. No. And this guy, you know, let him in. No, do you know what? No, do you know what happened? And uh, and actually, actually, I so I watched the that documentary I mentioned. Uh, It didn't happen exactly like the way it showed there. So Rudy basically like stalked him. Yeah. So he was like, so Era used to go to his office like real early in the morning, like five a.m. or something like that. Right? Those guys are all like that. Those college guys. They still are. Yeah. So. He basically wanted to walk up to him when he was getting out of his car, but then he got scared, so he hid behind a bush. And then he was talking, basically th- talking to himself in his head, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then Persegian went into the building, and then he was like, no, go get him. Go talk to him. So he ran in, caught the door before it closed, and then basically followed him into his office. And then Persegian, like, put his jacket on the hook, and then it was, like, turned around and was like, ugh. <laughs> and he was like, hey, sorry. Uh, I just want to introduce myself. I'm Rudy Rudiger, and I, uh, I'm going to come play football for you. And, and he said, uh, right away, the guy was like, that's awesome. He goes, are you, are you enrolled? And he's like, not yet, but I will be. And he goes, all right, when you are, come on out. We do, we love walk-ons. That's so basically great. he was like super pumped and happy. Nice. 
Like, you know how he's, like, kind of awkward in the movie. I, I like the way they did it in the movie. Yeah. Because it kind of lends to it. Because everybody's kind of caught off guard by Rudy's. I really like that scene just for the fact that you get to you get a glimpse of a coach watching film back then. Like, that yeah. I thought was so neat. Like, yeah. the way he's watching. You know, and he's, like, rewinding the old t- I just thought it was so cool. It brought me. It brings nostalgia, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, yep. wow, what a time. And apparently that film that he, that he's watching on the movie is the actual game that Rudy played. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, that, neat. It was a nice touch. That's cool. a neat nice thing. Touch. Very cool. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about, like, Dan Devine, played by Chelsea Ross. I didn't like him. I don't like Chelsea Ross. I just don't like the look at him. His... He looks like a horse. That's Ed Harris. That's Ed Harris. I lo- I don't. I love Ed Harris, <laughs> yeah. but I didn't like Dan Devine. I I don't know the portrayal of him and the whole thing of him. I didn't like. We'll this get guy. into it into uh, some uh, little known facts, but yeah, this character was actually really written differently than he was in real life. Yeah, oh yeah. That's we'll get into that a little yeah, bit later, course. though. Uh, last one I just wanted to mention was Jamie O'Hare, played by Vince Vaughn. He's money, baby. <laughs> Can I, you guys got to clarify something for me about Jamie O'Hare. So when Rudy hits Jamie and Jamie has a snap show and he says he summed up your entire four-year career, then they leave. Does he get a fifth year? He, he comes must. back and scores a touchdown for Rudy. Remember he throws a touchdown? Yeah. So he got a fifth-year senior? What is he like? No, no, the- no. I think that was the last practice of that year. But he said you just summed up your entire four-year career, didn't yeah, he? Cause yeah, because then Parsegian leaves in the offseason. And then Dan oh, Devine comes back. Right. Yeah. And then right. all of a sudden, he's we need a good touchdown catch, for Rudy. Good catch there. Did you not notice oh, that? I, I did. That's the first time I've even I am that, now. Yeah. Now you mentioned it, yeah. And he says, wow. boy, he's a touchdown for Rudy. You know, Great catch. Great well, catch. Well, Thank those you, guys but... did do five? Do you well, got... everybody redshirted. He's right, not Tate Martell out there. Tate Martell is in his 19th year of college football. <laughs> Sorry for QB1 fans out there. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. Uh, is Tate Martell married to his sister yet? Because they got a weird relationship. There's still a little somewhere going in on. In Trump's America, anything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> the last, the weaning days. Great, JR. Great catch. Well, we know You're right. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Let's jump into some quotes now. To kick it off, I just want to start out with, with Pun playing. intended. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kick off. Ew. Kick it off with a quote. Oh, you are so full of crap. You're five feet nothing, a hundred and nothing, and you got hardly a speck of athletic ability. And you hung in with the best college football team in the land for two years. And you're also going to walk out of here with a degree from the University of Notre Dame. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. And after what you've gone through, if you haven't done that by now, it ain't going to never happen. So that was uh, that famous one by Fortune, right at that point when Rudy's ready to quit because he didn't make the dress list, and that was for the was that for the last yeah the last game mm-hmm. yeah his last game that he could possibly dress for. Although they had a bowl game coming, even though he's not going to make the dress list for a bowl game. No, no, <laughs> last regular season game, which also comes into the well, I'll talk about that in the realism aspect. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, good point. Um, what what are some of the other quotes that really stood out for you guys? I got a couple. Uh, so one of my favorites, uh, just as you know, a huge Notre Dame fan, uh, when Pete, when they we the very beginning and they're watching the game, they're they're all young kids, and Pete asks if they can watch the Purdue IU game, and Rudy's dad looks at him <laughs> and says, "There's only one team we watch in this house." I want. I gave. I gave. Uh, whatever his name is, Ned. There, uh, Ned, uh, a standing ovation. He get <laughs> he gets a standing ovation for that one. Uh, Rudy, I just want to be part of this university. 
uh, just speaks to how much he really, really wants to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, the one we talked about with with Fortune there, uh, and then you got your head so far up your ass about this football team, you don't even realize you got a year of top-notch education. Waste. Don't be wasting my time. I thought that was another good one. We talked a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, the dad, when he gets off the bus for the first time, because I had this feeling. You must have that. And sure. he says, this is the most beautiful sight these eyes have ever seen. Not to the same extent, Mrs. Webster, relax. I can see you again. <laughs> I throw something at me. Yeah. Uh, but as a huge Notre Dame guy, the first time walking into Notre Dame Stadium, it's a pretty cool experience. Uh, and seeing the Golden Dome and Touchdown Jesus uh, and singing the alma mater, it's it's unreal. So, you know, if you are, get there. If you haven't already, it's, it's worth it. Have you um, been to the Grotto? What? I have. Yeah, yeah, that's got to be amazing. Said a couple prayers at the Grotto. It's fantastic. The whole experience is awesome. The first time we went, we got to see a hockey game the Friday night, which was fantastic, and then football all day Saturday, which was just amazing. And I mean, the the one thing I you know we knock on the states all the time for a lot of things here on this podcast, but seriously, they do sports the right way. They everything totally about do. everything about college football Saturday is amazing. Uh, and then D- Dan Devine. In the last uh, last game, no excuses. Do the work. Our Lady of Victory, pray for us. I love it. I think yeah. it's a fantastic uh, pump up. Kind oh, of it totally is. Get you motivated. And the one where no one, and I mean no one, comes, comes into our, our house and pushes, pushes us around. around. How many times did we say that? I've said that a bazillion times. Oh, so, yeah. Of course. For sure. After watching this movie. Charlottetown Summerside. We had oh. that on a couple of like, <laughs> Charlottetown Summerside. Okay. Had to work that in there somehow. Right? <laughs> and then you got pushed around. <laughs> 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 no, we didn't. <laughs> no, we didn't. No, we didn't. What do you got, Jerry? You got some? Um, a couple of the ones Webb said. I had a couple too. Um, sorry, Mike Muse about Indiana, but yeah, there is only one col- uh, college football team in the state of Indiana, and that's Notre Dame. Um, so a couple that I had were first of all, I know this is random, but I'm going to be you know the one of those big houses on Lakeshore Drive. I feel like every town has a Lakeshore Drive in it, and you're just like, of course, it's Lakeshore Drive. I had uh, having dreams is what makes life tolerable, Pete. I really yes. enjoyed Pete. So I really liked that his was, quotes. I love how he had Pete is the man. best friend everybody wishes they had. Um, yeah. The, there's nothing in this world wrong with being a Rudiger. That was that just like, <laughs> okay, sure. And uh, the other one are all the D-Bob's GDs. He just keeps dropping every five seconds. <laughs> I'm like, enough, man. Enough. All right. I get it there, John. Anyway, those are the main ones I had. Uh, Webb said some of the ones I had as well. Yeah, I had a couple small ones too. Like D Bob at the end when Rudy comes out, he had an already. I wonder if this is in the script or if he just ad libbed it. He goes, "He's so little." <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, I had the one uh, Father Kavanaugh, son. In thirty-five years of religious study, I've come up with only two hard and controvertible facts: there is a God, and I'm not him. Oh, that was a pretty good line. That's a great quote. And I, our Air Persegian had said, "I wish God would put your heart in some of my players' bodies." I mean. That's kind of a, it's a really nice compliment to Rudy. And For sure. I had, uh, you know, the whole scene where the guys come in and put their jerseys down. I know that didn't really happen in real life, but I thought that was, it was well, I'm glad they put it in the movie. It's kind so of, so I have a thought on that one. Yeah. And this is like, again, maybe out there, I'm going outside the box. The first guy that puts the jersey down, like the one token black guy the on the team, Roland Steele. Yeah. yeah. The one yeah. token black guy on the team. In that era, yeah, or, uh, in South Bend, in Indiana, Indiana. Yeah. probably not happening. No. He's not going to be the first guy, I don't think. No, um, I just thought that was. I I, I forgot another one that a line that irked me, just because I couldn't stand his character. 
uh, Jim. The oh, other, Jim's the other gross. the legacy guy. Jim's such a pussy. My dad pays my tuition. I don't want to oh, be here. Oh, Jim. Yeah, 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 Jim. Yeah, yeah. I don't, sorry. I. Buddy, you're in the he irks me. best football program in the country, buddy. Like you're gonna be all pissed off because you're there. Yeah. Because oh, you're a legacy. Yeah. And if you if you had full scholarships to other Big Ten schools, you wouldn't be on the practice. You would like be, you'd be third a way string to get, or second yeah, string. Yeah, you'd or be finding a way yeah. to line. Or I'm gonna say your good. dad's gonna say go to another school if you yeah. get a full yeah. ride. It's know, the, yeah, if you got a cut big, the cord, kid. If you got a scholarship to like Illinois or something, you're not in the best team, but you're going to be a second string or something. Yeah. Like you're, you're going to be dressing. He would have been doing something. Yeah, yeah. he doing, wasn't. You're pretty good. He's lying about how good he actually was. Yeah, Truth for sure. There's actually my what. This is actually my favorite quote in it, and I didn't want to like read it because I wouldn't do it justice. So I'm just going to play the quote. Let me tell it to you as clean as I can. We have 95 players here, so accomplished as athletes in high school, we gave them full scholarships to the best football program in the country. NCAA regulations allow us to dress just 60 for home games, which means at least 35 scholarship players are going to be watching the games from the stands. So if any of you has any fantasies about running out of that stadium tunnel with your gold helmet shining in the sun, you best leave them right here. Of you 15 dreamers out there, maybe we'll keep one or two. My job is to basically beat the shit out of you for the next five days. And whoever is still standing at the end, maybe we'll use for our scout teams. You'll be running the opposition's plays week in and week out. The greatest value to us is we don't care whether you get hurt. Our first teams are going to pound on you like you're their worst enemy. Like what you hear so far? Any of you want to run home to mama? Now's your chance. Joe, it's all yours. That's so. That's one that just kind of gives me chills. Like Coach Warren, is his name? Coach Warren. Yeah, I think Coach yeah. Warren. I liked him. Um, and I think I read somewhere. So Coach Yanto, who actually was the guy, Joe Yanto, he was the defensive coordinator or something or whatever. He was the defensive coach, basically. Uh, in the movie, he's the guy that really pushes for Rudy. But I think it was actually the other guy in real life, the offensive coach, offensive coordinator or whatever, that was Rudy's, like, biggest cheerleader and, like, guy pushing for him. I could see that, though. Totally. Because yeah. you if you're wanting the scout team to go against your starters, you, want, makes some, you want guys that are going to come after your guys and make them work for it. They would see how hard he is to play against. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. No, so that makes sense. Tough. So I think, I think they kind of wrote it in the movie that way just okay. because people might – Thing, yeah, defensive guy or whatever. I'm, I'm sure that Coach Yanto guy liked him too. They probably all did. They probably all did. I mean, yeah, for sure. As a coach, you guys have all coached. Like, yeah. you got you want players that are just going to lay it on the He's line. Coachable. Yeah. He's a great program guy. Yeah, especially practice good for a program. Yeah, you got to say what you want. Rudy How hard would it be to coach practice squad players because they're so pissy and moany all the time? This guy actually, he's just so happy to be there. Yeah, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, hard to find. Yeah, absolutely. So let's jump into some little known facts. So in the final six minutes of the film, the real-life Rudy Rudiger has a cameo appearance as a Notre Dame fan sitting in the football stands. So That's pretty cool. You picked that out, AJ. Eh, I saw him. Saw I did not notice till you told me that, though. Then I, I was like, to, oh, I, I have to go him. back and watch that. It's quick. It's just a moment. And you're like, oh, I see exactly the guy in the driving hat and the jacket, you said? Yeah. Yeah, totally. In the movie, Rudy is portrayed as having largely gone into the steel industry after graduating high school. In reality, he served four years in the U.S. Navy as a yeoman on a communication ship, which is never actually mentioned in the uh, movie. The only 
connection that they have is uh, that he carries around that duffel bag with his clothes. And actually, if you look closely, and I actually paused it to check it out, uh, he has his name and USN stenciled on the side of the duffel bag. So that's, that's cool. That's kind of... So they don't actually throw it, like, put a lot of that into the story, but they do give it justice by having that duffel bag, which is nice. <laughs> so Dan Devine was upset about the scene in which several players laid down their jerseys on his desk as a form of protest for not letting Rudy suit up for the upcoming Georgia Tech game. According to Devine, the incident never actually took place, and if it had, the players involved would have been booted off the team. Yeah, 100% yes. they would have. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of don't like that uh, as a coach. They would have got booted. I, I, if I, As a coach, I wouldn't have. I would have taken it as leadership. You know really? what else I don't believe? That they would give him a slow clap for ditching out on practice coming and back. coming in on his... I think they would. No. Yeah. No, because no. I've pl- I've played That's on bad teammate stuff. I've I've played on teams where you have an underdog guy like that who who you root for and you hope for and you know you know they're they work hard and they're not going to ever get that kind of recognition and stuff because they all they're all they all want him to have a little taste of something. So I could see them being like understanding his frustration. He was promised by Persegian that didn't get carried over by Divine. They know how hard he works every week. He bleeds and does whatever he does for that team. Nobody works harder than him. So you can understand why he would quit and and you would you would get that. So when he would come back, you'd be like, here he is. Yeah, let's, you know what I mean? Like I could see that. All right, maybe I'm just a those, heartless prick. Some of those yeah, power five conference coaches, though, they run seriously tight Oh, ships. no, yeah. for sure. Like the laying down of the jerseys? I don't know. I think you're gone. I yeah, wouldn't. You just laid down your scholarship. I don't I w- know. I, I know. Wouldn't. I know you wouldn't. They're kids. But you got to think of these guys. Like you wouldn't put Saban in there. Brian Kelly. No. And you think back. Like, these think guys back. get like drug charges and yeah, beat their think, girlfriends, and they put it under I the know. carpet. Back, we're talking about nineteen seventies. Like know, but, this is uh, a yeah. this is not a democracy. This is that's a dictatorship. True. It's still that's true. It's pretty much a dictatorship now. Yeah. hundred percent. Brian Kelly runs a serious show. So you're going to tell me Ian Book comes in tomorrow and puts his jersey down says he wants someone to dress in this place. Brian Kelly's going to scratch him? Yeah. Probably because it's I Syracuse. Think he will. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I could play tomorrow against Syracuse no. and hand her off Co- and coaches, sling it around a little bit. Coaches would see that none of those guys were actually not going to play. It was, it was, a, it was a sign of protest, and, or like a peaceful protest in that we want, the, we want him in the lineup. We're, we're, standing, we're banding together as leaders, and we want this. I love that part, yeah. but I just – these guys have huge egos. Oh yeah, I I agree with the time, like the time. Yeah, the you're 70s. not getting shown up. I don't know if they would let it happen. I, I really don't. I don't. Know. I heard that, and I'm like, ah, that's a bit much. But thinking about the era, I get it. Think but of like think I of some of those even those SEC coaches like Jimbo oh, Fisher. Not, no way. Not now. Now every have you ever heard of those guys like Jimbo Fisher and them coaching millennials? You you can look it up on YouTube. You have to coach young uh, kids nowadays different. Yeah, because they're all soft. Well, yeah, of course. Right? Yeah, and I, I agree with they're that. They're all soft mentally. And, like, kids nowadays make stupid decisions because they've been coddled. Whereas kids back then, Rudy was in the friggin' Navy for four years. Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, like, I remember when I went to university, and I was an older freshman. I was a 20-year-old freshman. But I remember I was still, like, in my mind, there were probably things I would be soft about. Well, one of my roommates, Max Kolu, who was from Finland... He ser- everybody in Finland has to serve a year in the army. It's part of their deal, right? He'd served a year already in the army when yep. he came over. Yeah. And he was a year younger than me. And, yeah. I, and I was like, when he was telling the stories, I'm like, 
okay, yeah, I don't mind getting up early and doing this stuff. A little more living. <laughs> yeah. I've done some living. So I had a buddy, same thing. We had a roommate. <laughs> Second year university, shout out to Andre. Andre was in the Israeli army. When they turn 18, you got to serve four years. So he joined university late. Yeah. That's and living. he's like, you just sat there and listened to stories. And I was like, holy shit. And this is Israel, Palestine. Like, yeah. That's that's big time. Those guys actually yeah. probably saw <laughs> We yeah. had a guy it puts on everything into perspective. Finland, what's the guy doing? Like marching outside a hockey rink? Yeah, Garden Timu Salani. He he ran a turret gun on a on a tank or something. Oh, okay. It was kind of neat. Well, he, he wasn't actually an active duty. He's doing either. more than I ever did. Let's put it that. Oh, yeah. just a training, like the they're, training, right? Like their stories are crazy. We had a guy on our ball team. He was American. He's a dual from Michigan. He was in the Coast Guard and he's on the GI Bill for America. Yeah. And his job was basically patrol between Cuba and the United States for Woo! two years. That just whole 90, draw, just 90 miles. Ninety miles. He just patrolled it all. A lot the day. of drug running. Things. All he Catch did. He wanted. We wanted him on that wall. His stories <laughs> were pretty intense. You need me on that wall. Yeah. Quite, quite the stories. All right. So in real life, Dan Devine was very supportive of Rudy and elected to put him in the game on his own. Because Devine considered Rudy a friend, he volunteered to play a villain in the movie in order to get the film greenlit. So that was one of nice. the things they wanted. So Makes sense. Yeah. The character of the older brother, Frank, was uh, created for the purposes of Hollywood uh, as a compilation of all the people in Rudy's life who discouraged him. Okay. Oh, I see. So he doesn't actually have an older brother named Frank, and he didn't have an older brother. That was, everybody in the uh, the family, and I saw a do- in the documentary they watched, uh, all the family members were super supportive of him. So many of the priests and miscellaneous Notre Dame employees in the movie are actually Notre Dame employees. So you know the you know the kid that comes up to him, uh, and he's actually seen throughout the movie in different spots but he's like one of the equipment managers or whatever with the glasses yeah 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 yeah. so he's an actual uh employee of notre dame oh cool i think he still works there cool that's kind of neat sweet while visiting the radio broadcast booth during a giants baseball game sean Aston noted that the poster photo of him which i actually have up here in the garage uh is actually rudy standing with a suit and a double bag it's actually shot at stanford university i mean they did shoot a lot of things on campus I mean, if you're going to film or take a promo shot like that, you would for sure have touchdown Jesus in the background. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, that makes sense. And actually, in the documentary, they said it was one of the things that held up the film for getting produced. And it actually stretched out a few years was Notre Dame didn't want to have, didn't want to give rights to shoot the film. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, Notre Dame doesn't need to have a film made about them. They're America's team. Yeah. And, the, and apparently after they did the one film, uh, Newt Rockney, the film, yeah, there were some issues with that, and I, I guess things weren't done the way they wanted, or it cast some things in a bad light or whatever. So they were very hesitant to allowing this to happen, and it took a lot of uh, back and forth between mm-hmm. the producers, Rudy, and the university. Basically, Rudy talked them into saying it's not going to be a movie about Notre Dame, it's going to be a love story about Notre Dame. Which it kind of is, really. It 100% is. Absolutely. It's a good way to kind of like portray that, actually, or say that. So, But even even though they greenlit it to, to shoot the movie, a lot of scenes at Notre Dame, there were some a lot of things that they did in studio back in L.A. So it makes sense that they did maybe some shots off camp. So according to the real Rudy, the character of Fortune was a combination of three different people that were helping him realize his dream of playing football. So he didn't actually work. Um, he didn't actually work at the stadium. 
in a capacity there. So that whole kind of thing where he makes friends with Fortune and does that wasn't actually what happened in real life. He did take a job working at the athletic center. And one of the things that he, the reasons he took that job on, uh, aside from needing extra cash, was uh, according to law, they needed to have somebody uh, living there basically 24-7 uh, to get insurance for the, for the building or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they actually set up a couple dorm rooms and a couple of players worked and did different shifts, uh, a couple of the walk-on players. And actually had dormitory rooms in the athletic centers. That's oh, wow. pretty cool. So a lot, of, cool. Like, the, a lot of the scholarship guys, when because I guess Rudy was like really popular and the guys like partying in his room and stuff. Yeah, so they would come and like party with him. And they were like, oh, this is wicked. I want to live here. Because it was like basically you like walk out your door in your PJs and you're the, where the weight room is and all the stuff, right? Yeah. Like the track was there. Everything. That's awesome. The one thing that was really neat about watching this movie now, having been to Notre Dame Stadium several times, and really taking it in the last time uh, is just how different the stadium looks now compared to what it looked like in the movie. Like they've just done so many modifications to the stadium now Probably. and made it look, uh, they kept a lot of the old history up behind it, but they've really upgraded it and modified it. Uh, and it just looks so cool now. Uh, it was just neat to see the difference. That was a question I was going to ask you because yeah. uh, the sh- they did a lot of cool pan shots yeah. at the stadium. I was going to ask him like how realistic, like the is scene it? Like, where you know where he's trying to get the ticket and, he, yeah. and he's like, "I got ten bucks, I got ten and he's like kicking things. And these that corridor is like right next to um, the basketball court where they actually oh, yeah. they play all their games. And then at the end, and you can see it in the movie, there's like a um, like a, a souvenir kind of truck. That same souvenir truck is there every single call of the wicked. game day weekend. It's fantastic. That's so cool. I We're, love when they have the old, they keep the old traditions. Yeah, like when he's trying are, to buy tickets, that that's about as close to looking at the stadium as it gets yeah. when I was there. That's what it looked like when I was there. Yeah, and like trying to... Uh, it was so funny. Like <laughs> we were watching it, and Mrs. West was like, "Oh, you, you couldn't just sneak onto the field like Rudy did and run around on the field." And I was like, "No, not quite." <laughs> like, okay, it was. It's Fort Knox trying to get in there. Unless did you're you big know Tom. who got on the field and in the locker room, Big Tom, my dad, Big really? Tom, my dad. Sweet. So my, I was going to Chicago, and I was getting a train from Chicago to Arizona. My dad, because Chicago, Notre Dame, Chicago is not far. Dad drops me off in Chicago. We go to Notre Dame. Dad drops me. We look around. They let us mess around, do whatever. Dad drops me off. He goes back to sh- back to Notre Dame. He talks to the cops. The cops let him in. He sits in Brady Quinn's locker. He goes to oh, Jeff way. Samarge's place. Oh, yeah. He hit the play like a champion sign. They gave him like a whole tour. He threw a football around on there. And I'm like, this is awesome. It's crazy. That's yeah. Amazing. He said, Brady, I mean, are we really surprised? It's Big Tom. Yeah. He got his way with Darren McFadden. He, he, yeah. <laughs> Big Tom needs to write a book. My dad and Darren McFadden, the running back, are friends somehow, <laughs> some way. They drink Amstel lights together in St. Thomas Island. I don't know how. It's the weirdest friendship in the that's world. What, that's, I love that story. It's so strange. It's the best. Yeah. So, although it's often been considered that Rudy was unathletic and a poor football player who only made a team due to his work ethic, this may not have been the case. The real Daniel E. Rudiger was a four-year letterer and three-year starter at Joliet Catholic High School and was believed to have broken the team's all-time tackling record. Even real-life Notre Dame coach Eric Persegian recalled that Rudy had great tackling form and can get around blockers better than any uh, most of the guys on his team due to his low center of gravity and quickness. This could also explain why Rudy was able to get around multiple linemen and sack a scrambling quarterback in his only play 
uh, a feat that a truly unathletic scrub may not have been able to perform against the top-ranked Power 5 defend- D1 offense. Uh, sure. He Georgia was also Tech. He was also he was super un, tight. He was he was also unblocked because their scheme ran to the other side. <laughs> yeah, like all the da- all the linemen were blocking down to the other way. But okay, yeah. I believe though that he was like probably a pretty good athlete because he actually was a pretty accomplished boxer, and I think he was a pretty good baseball player from what I read as well. But like the fact was, he was a five foot seven, one hundred and sixty five pound guy. Who I don't think would have been fast enough to maybe be a defensive back. No, no. So I think, where do you put him? He's not going to play offense. No. Like he'd have to either be a defensive back or a running back at that size, and he'd still be undersized for both those positions. Maybe a free safety in today's, but he's pretty slow and doesn't look like he hits that well. He He might tackle well, but yeah. I mean, free safety's crank. He's going to be on your special teams where he's going to be if you're going to put him anywhere. Yeah, you're going to. Also, though, like to be even to be on a practice squad of a D1 program where they've (laughs) cut guys. Yeah. Oh, you got to be pretty good. Of course. Yeah. So. But I mean, for the movie, it works perfect the way they did it, I think. Yep. So the football coordinator on the film was former NFL linebacker Al Cowlings. Cowlings was drafted fifth overall in the 1970 NFL draft out of USC. One year after working on Rudy, Cowlings was arrested for aiding O.J. Simpson in the infamous Ford Bronco chase. Eventually, charges were dropped due to lack of a- evidence. <laughs> I watched that. Yeah, I think everybody did. Yeah, I remember watching it live. I do. Oh, yeah, I watched it. I feel like we wheeled the TV in from the library to watch that. Like it was just the most obscure thing. I, I remember watching. I no, it was at night. Was yeah, it? I it was don't at know. Night, I remember watching. You watched well, it the was verdict. Like, no, 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 no. We watched the verdict. In I remember too. watching the chase because the chase was going on while we were in school, like the tail end of the afternoon while we were at school, and then the time oh. change. It was oh, it maybe. was like three thirty in the afternoon our time, and he had just started. Oh, okay, and it was like breaking news: OJ Simpson is on the run for <laughs> the murder. We're like, what? White Bronco chase <laughs> in the world, yeah. and it went on for hours. I just yeah, good on gas, the Bronco. <laughs> oh yeah, here's a cool one, and I actually, I actually recognized him when I after I read this and went back, and I watched it today. So UFC Hall of Famer Dan the Beast Severin was an extra oh, in the movie as a player doing the drills. I do remember him when they were doing the ropes. Yeah. During the after uh No post- mustache. Yeah. Mm. No, he did have a mustache, I think. Oh, but it was like if it was, if it's the guy I'm thinking of, it's like a pencil thin one if that. Yeah, maybe it wasn't it wasn't like it's not like the duster like that he, he normally he, does, like yeah. he has a he had a big tom duster at one yeah, 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 he, he did. did a well like when he fought duster. Ken Shamrock there multiple times. Yeah, he had yeah. a duster. Yeah. Yeah. So he had just finished college at Arizona's Arizona State University where he played football. So that's pretty cool. So this is kind of funny. After Hoosiers, Anspa and Pizzo uh, were developing a movie about the Indy five hundred for Orion Pictures. But it got got axed after a year's work uh, worth of work when Tom Cruise signed up to make Days of Thunder. The cancellation left the screenwriter and director open to other ideas, one of which was Rudy's story. Nice. So because they did Days of Spun- Thunder, this ended up getting made. Kind of fun. Days of Thunder. Killing it again. Yeah, of course. Tom Cruise is involved in every movie that's ever been made. Somehow. <laughs> in a roundabout way. Somehow. Uh, the So another one of my... Th- favorite characters in the movie was that lineman that number 75 Mateus. he was good i liked him because he, he was a good teammate right like a guy mm-hmm. so the guy who played steve Mateus, 
the number 75 lineman who hammers Rudy earlier and then later starts that chant. And he was the kind of the guy that talked to Rudy in the parking lot when Jamie O'Hare has his meltdown or whatever. Uh, his name in real life is uh, Peter Rausch. Uh, he actually was the only guy who played at Notre Dame. So he graduated in, a year before in 1992 and was a member of the 1988 national championship team. He spent two years on the Chicago Bears practice squad before becoming a teacher. Roush is a high school teacher in Jensen Beach, Florida, and he coaches the high school football, tennis, and bowling teams. How do you coach bowling? Bowling? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. I thought he did a good job. I liked him in the movie. He's great. He's a good guy. He's very real. I like the fact that he, he looked knocked, like a I like the player. fact that he knocks Rudy on his ass. Yeah. You could tell in those scenes, like, he looked like a football player. Yeah. Yeah. So among the uh, future NFL players who played on the Notre Dame team when Rudy was a senior was future Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Goat. Montana, <laughs> who was a freshman at the time. Goat. So Joe Montana was interviewed a couple times, and he had some interesting takes. So Joe Montana... When interviewed by the Pardon My Take Barstool podcast on the final scene of Rudy. So here's what he was quoted as saying. Was there a lot of things that happened? Yeah. He got in. He got a sack. Sure. Was the crowd chanting? No. Did I throw my jersey in? No. Did he get carried off the field? Yeah. He got carried off the field by the three biggest pranksters on our team as a joke. Really? So I mean, it's Joe. <laughs> <laughs> on another, uh, on another, um, oh, sorry. After Montana went on in that in uh, on that podcast and exposed Rudy to the world, some of uh, their former teammates rushed to Rudy's side. So one teammate was saying uh, he was a former defensive lineman. Jay Afterhoff said to TMZ, uh, "Rudy was carried off the field that day, but it wasn't a joke. We we car- we car- uh, we carried him off the field because." You've never seen a guy in your life that worked harder and who wanted to be on the team more. And then after, later on, uh, or earlier, sorry, Montana was on the Dan Patrick show in 2010, and he said, yeah, Rudy worked hard, but he didn't work any harder than anyone else on our team. <laughs> Montana's not a fan. So he's salty, Joe. Joe. Joe's a little salty he about is. Rudy. He is. That's an interesting. There's something wonder what went on. Maybe you hit him in practice. I, he, got up for sure. he for I, sure got up. He must have got up in his grill a little too much in I, practice. I think he probably did, but I also think there's another thing at play. A little bit of Joe Montana jealousy there. Well, not I think getting, like not getting uh, the any, limelight. Yeah, I think I think that's mostly what it is. Yeah. Because if you think about it, think of everyone that's ever been and like because you know there's athletes that are on another level, right? Yeah. What do all those athletes have in common in order to be on that level? Like, Joe Montana's like Gretzky. He's like, you know what I mean? Like, he's at the uh, Michael Jordan. Those guys. Yeah, he's are, in the GOAT conversation yeah. for yes. his sport. In order to be there, you have to be an ego. An ego? And it's, yeah, it's, I see what you're saying. And, and I'm not trying to say that in a negative light. I'm trying to say that, like, you have to, you have to be so driven and so competitive about everything in your life. Okay, but here's my, uh, I'll say, kickback, I guess, against that argument. All those guys and those three that you particularly mentioned, other than maybe Gretzky, they weren't the best college players, right? Like, they, they, 
they're considered the goats as pro athletes. Like sure, Joe Montana. Like I sent you that, or I sent you that funny commercial of the AT and T or whatever did one, and it's like a Heisman commercial, right? And it's like Doug yeah. Flutie and and Montana and, like, and Bo and mm-hmm. uh, who's the other Herschel Walker, and they're talking about how they all got a Heisman trophy, and, and Joe Montana gives up the five rings. Like, oh, what an accomplishment! Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's hilarious. Um, and same thing with with Jordan. Like, yeah, he. he Played in the national championship game, but like he won it though. He, too. Yeah, he but, won a national but, championship. But Joe Montana, but also they were Joe Montana is not Notre Dame's greatest player at, at all, not even close. No, but they were they were also getting interviewed when they were the goat. Yeah, that's you know true. what I mean. Like it's different perspective. Like yeah, if okay. Joe was being interviewed in 1996, like a year after or two years after, yeah. he might have had a different take on mm-hmm. it. That's true. If you ask just a random person that doesn't know anything about sports. Name an athlete that came out of Notre Dame. A lot of people are probably going to name maybe Rudy. Oh yeah, yeah, of you know course. What I mean? Like they yeah, don't, of course. Maybe they don't know uh, a lot about. They don't sports. know Jerome Bettis or Tim yeah. Brown. Tim yeah. Brown. But even and even Jerome people that Brock know, and Ishmael, even people yeah, that know a long. fair amount about it. Like if if it let's say it was a question on uh, uh, Family Feud, and they're like, name the top five people that. Yeah, they're going to pick Rudy. Rudy. Rudy's going to probably get a lot yeah. of the, right. And and this Rudy's is a big guy in the played, pop culture. Yeah, he, he, this guy made one play. He pl- he actually got into three plays at Notre Dame, and then you've got like Montana, you got Bettis, you got you know you can go down the list of guys that played there that were studs, right? It's got to rub them uh, maybe a little the wrong way. They're like, yeah, I mean he was a good guy and stuff, but like come on, like mm-hmm. he didn't. Yeah, do maybe. Anything. Yeah, you might be right. I think there's got to be a bit of that. Manti Teo's girlfriend would be on that list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> She's got to be in there somewhere. His girlfriend, uh, quote unquote. She yeah. might be the greatest athlete at Alabama. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Let's jump into our uh, realism review. What's realistic and what do you find that was unrealistic in this film? Um, I had some of the things. Uh, I like the very Midwest. Uh, the... Backyard football games I thought were pretty cool. Very real. Like, I had a lot of that kind of stuff in mind. Uh, the senior, the last practice, that whole speech about your last practice, this is it. Yeah. The real, the scene, some of the shots of the buildings, we already talked about the campus, we already talked about Touchdown Jesus, we talked about the stadium, Webb was mentioning, um, the side where Rudy wanted to get the uh, sculptor tickets. That's one of those things where, yeah, that's totally real. I thought some of the football shots were fine. I was, I was good there with that. There wasn't many. There wasn't many at all. And I think sometimes that's for the better sometimes where it keeps it. You always have your vision of what it should properly look like. And they kind of kept a good job of doing that to me. And then the little kid up to having to be the all-time hiker. They always use a little wiener kid to be the all-time hiker. I like that part when they had Rudy doing it. Uh, The only thing that I had is like other than stuff that you've already kind of touched on. Uh, and I talked about like the coming back and the the slow clap for the quitter. I I can't see that happening. I can't believe that in a family that big and a family that loving that his brothers could be that big of pricks. Like yeah. that to me, like I know it's Hollywood and they have to create that adversity, but it just was so unbelievable to me. You're that, right. That that not only would the guy uh, go away, but that his brother would start dating his girl and then like potentially marry her and then brings him to his one game. Like, I don't know. And then the, that Frank is just so bitter about 
this kid having a dream like i no brother like as much as you may hate your siblings at times you would never you're never that bitter or you'd never be that hateful or spiteful like i just i thought that was over the top i don't know that was the big thing for me i mean the football itself there's not a whole lot of football to really comment on in this movie and that's one of the things i'll talk about when we talk about the wrap-up but you know uh there's not a ton of stuff that i thought was like overly terribly overly done other than that piece for me no, and you, you nailed it. Actually, in, in real life, his brothers and his family were really close-knit and very supportive. So. Mm. I only had two things to add. There are two negative things. Or no, sorry, one one positive, one realistic thing I will say. D-Bob and Elsa, that's realistic. Totally. Oh, yeah. Totally. You, you're not kicking past the coverage. Nope. You're, you're, you're within, right. yeah. you know. You're in your guideline. You're in your lane. You're in your lane there. So yeah. that, that was well. Now, two unrealistic things. Vince Vaughn as a six foot five, one hundred and eighty pound running back, <laughs> running straight up, <laughs> yeah, nice and high. His his running, like yeah, first like if you're gonna cast him anywhere, he should have been a wide receiver. Oh yeah, at six five, like one hundred, he'd be pounds. really good wide out. Yeah, right. Back in the seventies, no Chase too. Claypool, but no. he'd be okay. And also, like he was super unathletic. Like that scene where he gets the pitch on the handoff, and he's like running completely <laughs> straight, straight up. up. Like he just looks so unathletic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was terrible. Well, I mean, he eats shit a whole bunch in Wedding Crasher, so he's probably not a good football player no. to begin with. <laughs> I didn't think he would. Yeah, he's all state. He can make a rain out here if you want him to. <laughs> Hot route. Grab cakes and football. Hey, eh, Donnie Garrison? Grab cakes and football. Grab cakes and football. Let's jump into the soundtrack. So music was composed by Jerry Goldsmith, and he's known for his movie and TV work. Goldsmith scored five Star Trek movies, the Rambo franchise, uh, Planet of the Eights franchise, Patton, Gremlins. Fantastic movie. Wow. Yeah. Gremlins is a great Christmas movie. I love Gremlins. Me too. Yeah, it's pretty good. We're, we just had a conversation this week. Is like, is is Cleo too young to watch Gremlins? No. I, saw, I was That was my argument. I no. said, I watch Gremlins. Yeah. It's super yeah. old. Yeah, she's okay. It's super old Jazz at this goes, point. She would look at It would be too tame for her anyways. Throw it on. Yeah, Jazz says, she, she, it's too scary for her to go. It's like no. funny scary. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like cheesy. Kids yeah, today would look at it as cheesy. They, uh, especially now, right? Yeah. It's <laughs> totally. I think you could too. Uh, it did Hoosiers, Total Recall, Air Force One, LA Confidential, and The Mummy, among many other successful films. Goldsmith was nominated for six Grammy Awards, five Emmys, nine Golden Globes, and 18 Academy Awards. Wow. Where he won in 1976 for The Omen. So what are your thoughts on the, on the, the soundtrack? I'm not going to be very long on this. I thought it was fantastic. He used yeah. all the great tunes we needed. Very college-based, very Notre Dame-based. I thought it was fantastic, Web. I like the... Uh, I lo- Sorry, I should say this. I love the fact that not only in the movie, I, I should have mentioned this in the realism aspect, but uh, and, and in the soundtrack that they included the Notre Dame marching band. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you go to a game at Notre Dame Stadium, if for those of you that haven't been, one of the things you must do is get up early and go watch the band practice because it's like 600 kids and you watch the march through campus practicing and it's one of the coolest things. And it happens at like 8.30 in the morning and you make a day of it and then you get your tailgate on and you go and you have a good time. Um, But one that was really, really cool to me. The soundtrack itself, I mean, it's so... It's just It just brings back nostalgia, right? Uh, And it brings back the romance of... as a Notre Dame fan, I love it. Uh, I actually was talking to Mrs. Webster about this the other day. I'm kicking myself because I had the opportunity to buy it on vinyl, and I didn't. Uh, and I I know. 
Yeah. You never it, pulled the trigger on I a didn't pull it on I didn't and it was it's one of those ones that's hard for me cuz I don't know how often I would listen to it <laughs> to be quite honest but it's them. just it's just one of those ones where I wish I had it if nothing else that I had it in a frame. Uh so I know where I can find it and I know where I can find it relatively cheap so I probably will go back and pick it up at this point cuz it it is kind of nice to have yes. in the background Absolutely. if nothing else. Absolutely. Yeah, it's one of those like whenever I hear the music from the film I get a range of emotions. I cry. I, you know, smile. I get boners. It's just, <laughs> I love it. I love just it. a regular Saturday night for Big James. Just, just a Saturday night. <laughs> this is what my life's come to. <laughs> this is me. Right. It is very distinctive. I will give you that. Totally is. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Let's get into our movie wrap-up. So where does this movie rank among all-time football movies? And where do you have it among all-time sports movies? I'll do this nice and quick. Uh, definitely top five football movies, top 30 sports movies. No question. Lock yeah. it in. Okay. This one's tough for me. And Mrs. Webster made up, uh, brought up a good point. And I was telling JR about this today earlier at work. Does this movie rank as high for you if it doesn't take place at Notre Dame? No, but I love Notre Dame. So well, but this is important. the set. So, I still like, do. Yeah. Yeah. It, does it rank as high for you if it takes place at, I don't know, SC or... Absolutely not. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that's just it. it. And It'd, so be like, It'd be different. So, I, you know, I, I feel kind of biased in saying this. And it, 100%, it's more... It, it's less about... A, so, like, football movies, because there's so few of them that I think are done well, it's in my top five. I'll put it at probably five. I can... Really? I think... Yeah. And the only reason it's... There's just not enough football in it, right? Yeah. It's really not a. It's it's. It's a love story. It's a love story with Notre Dame, like you mentioned earlier when he yeah. he kind of talked about that, and that is cool in and of itself, and I love that. But there isn't really any football in it. Where does it rank all time on sports movies? It's high because it has all those things that we talked about that we loved about team sports, especially. It taught us perseverance and going oh, yeah. through adversity and all those things, and it really it hammers those points home. Um, and those are things that, you know, JR and I have this conversation almost on a daily basis with kids about like, those are some of the things we find lacking. And so I, I love it for that pure reason alone. So it would be high. It's in my top 10 of all time sports movies. I think I probably have it at about. You're in top 10? Yeah, I think I probably got, I think I probably got about seven. It's up there for me. And part of it's the Notre Dame factor, but part of it is also because of just the morals it teaches in the movie, right? It's one of those ones, you know, and I know it's one of those ones we throw on in June when we want to get kids watching something and we're going to watch something that we also want to watch. I've Um, watched Rudy before. I think it should be mandatory for all kids. Yeah. There's a lot you can use to teach with. Cleo watched it with me. Yeah. So, I mean, um, it's, it's high for me. I'd say, yeah, I think it's seven. And in football, it's probably it's probably about my fifth all-time football movie, which I know probably doesn't make sense in the math of the things, but it's high. I've got it number one in football. And I have it number five all-time. Wow, you guys are way higher than me all-time. I can't go that high all-time. Yeah, I did it. That's where I've got it. Sorry, yeah, all-time doesn't make sense. Because if I got it at five at football, it doesn't make sense. I could. Have what do you have ahead, on, ahead of it on football? For football, Titans. Yeah, I have good. Titans, Marshall. Titans. We are Marshall. I like. I don't have Mar- Friday, no. Night Lights. Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights is ahead for me. That's fair. Um, I have Friday Night Lights. Titans, Friday Night Marshall. Lights touches on a bunch of those things. It's really good. Yeah, and the soundtrack's amazing, and the football scenes are fantastic. Uh, so I've got those two. 
I might put the football scenes of Varsity Blues even ahead of Rudy. I would, yeah. yeah. I would agree with that. And Marshall, again, Marshall's not like enough Marshall, football for though. me. I like that movie. Marshall's a good I movie. I really like Marshall too, but yeah. we're getting down a rabbit hole here. I feel like Marshall dragged out too many themes. For yeah. me. but even, even, we'll get into that one. We'll but get even, into it when we do even, it. I mean, if we're going just football scenes alone, even The Replacements has better football scenes than Rudy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I just feel Any like Any Given story. Sunday has good football scenes. Like, we talked about that one before. So, I yeah. I mean, football movies, it's, it's still high. Uh, Rudy's I might, the kind I of might movie, go four. Rudy's four. the kind of movie for me. I can watch it. Lit- I literally watch it at least two times a year. Really? And I've probably watched it 400 times in my lifetime. I can watch it once a year right now, Tops. I'll watch it with the class again. But yeah. I find he, after a while, I'm sorry, I said way at the start of this, he drives, I find him kind of annoying sometimes. And I can't sit down often yeah. and watch the whole movie. I watch it almost every year before Notre Dame's first game. Yeah. See, I, I'm not at that level. I every, love Notre Dame, but I'm not at that level with Rudy. I really like the movie, but I was, I was sometimes it just kid. rubs me the wrong way. I was a kid, because my birthday is in December. I was a small kid, so I just related with him a lot. Like I, there was, And I had a lot of people in my life telling me I couldn't do things. I like think I had every coach. underdog does. Yeah. yeah. So I just related to him a lot, so that it, it really strikes a chord with me. That's why. That's all I got on that one. And Sean so, Aston. Sean Aston. One-eyed Willie shows uh, up. Yeah, from, from Goonies. <laughs> With his puffer. How about <laughs> how about guys, his career, though? He's done fantastic. So he did, he did Goonies, which yeah. is a cult classic. Rudy, which Amazing. is a cult classic. And then he's Frodo Baggins' buddy. Yeah. He's done okay. Yeah, he's done is. all right. And like, because I was what? sitting there, I was like, he didn't do a lot between Rudy and Lord of the Rings. No. Like, not stuff no. that you would know anyways. He made a bank when he was a young actor. Yeah, One of my favorite great. underdog, like, not underdog, but like, under the radar movies, and I don't know if you guys remember this movie. Do you remember a movie called Toy Soldiers? Yeah, I heard it. Yeah, yes. yeah, I heard of it. I don't know if go I go back and watch it. it. It was it's worth the price of admission. It's a good movie. It, he's at a prep school, and yeah. there's like these terrorists that come to uh, basically hold the prep school uh, ransom, um, and then he's like a kid, and the kids kind of basically. Uh, fight back against these terrorists. Like it's like a corny, corny theme, but it's a good movie. Cool. Nice. So as we've been doing on all our latest uh, episodes, uh, to give a shout out to JJ Reddick's podcast, The Old Man and the Three, we're going to do a draft today. And in relation to the movie that we did, Rudy, we're going to do our draft topic is going to be biggest underdog athletes in sports history. And uh, basically what we're looking at is athletes who have achieved success against the greatest odds, i.e. size, naysayers, life circumstances, etc. So that's what the topic will be. Jamer, we're going to give you the birthday boy honors. Oh, yeah. oh. We're going to let you go Jamer first Jamer gained on this a uh, little bit of old man strength, folks, yesterday. A little bit of old man so strength. Happy birthday, Jamer. Touch right. of the old man bitterness. Got to love oh, yeah. it. He's a little crusty today. I appreciate today. it. I appreciate <laughs> it. You know what? I'm going to start out with a guy who I think is probably on the top of a lot of people's lists. And uh, this guy graduated from the University of Northern Iowa in 1994. He went undrafted out of college. He eventually returned to his hometown, Cedar Falls, Iowa, where he bagged groceries for $5.50 an hour. This guy messed around in the Arena Football League for several years before he signed with the St. Louis Rams in 1998. One year later, he was named NFL MVP, first-team All-Pro, Super Bowl MVP, and won the Super Bowl. After a very successful 12-year NFL career, 
He was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2017. I'm going with the first pick overall, Kurt Warner. Great pick, Jamer. It's a great pick. Great it's good, pick. Very good pick. Yeah. Do you want to go ahead, Webb? No, go I'll ahead. give it you. I'll you want me to second? Yeah. Okay. Age before beauty, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, lots of options, obviously, on this one. Nice pick, Jamer. I'm going to go with this one. Um, this is a gentleman who achieved some stardom as a left-handed pitcher. Um, he had one hand. Nice. Uh, he well was done. able to last a long time as a major league pitcher, and he was a, he would shift his glove from basically his stump to his hand as he was basically after his pitch. I'm going to go with Jim Abbott Great as pick. a left-handed starter who had a very good major league baseball career. Very well good done. Pick. Very good, good pick. pick. All right, boys, I'm going off the board completely. I'm going to surprise you guys with this one. And you might say he's not an athlete. I'm going to argue he's the greatest athlete of all time. Uh, my number one first pick is going to go with Terry Fox. Wow. Ooh. Wow, that is a great, great pick. pick. Uh, I, I don't guess. know I don't know for all our American listeners, if you don't know who Terry Fox is, Wikipedia um for all those canadian listeners you know exactly who terry fox is he's the only he's the only pro athlete i think we should ever have on any of our money uh the guy continues in his legacy to raise money for cancer and trying to do things so i'm going with terry fox as my number one overall excellent that's a great coming anything and the ultimate underdog uh number two i'm gonna go i'm gonna shift to my first love the round ball i'm gonna go with mugsy bokes uh five foot nothing hundred mm-hmm. nothing let's talk about okay <laughs> five foot three played a 15 year career almost 900 career games averaged 7.7 points per game and seven almost the same amount in assists a game shot 45 percent from the field and one hell of a player in nba jam post career <laughs> he also made a fantastic go daddy commercial for the raptors so <laughs> yeah. i'm going with mugsy bogues with my number two pick also appeared in joanna man and eddie fantastic and how about this he had 39 blocks in his nba career including including one against seven foot hall of famer patrick ewing on april yeah, 14th that, i was gonna leave that one out because you know georgetown <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh okay so my next pick i mean again there's tons of options i'm gonna go with i was talking at dinner tonight with uh my wife melissa and she came up with this one out of nowhere and it was a brilliant pick I'm going to go with a hockey player, born in Nunavut, Canada, had a fantastic career, and did a whole lot of things and dealt with a lot of life circumstances. I'm going with Jordan Tutu. Great pick. Great pick. That's Melissa. What an amazing story he's had. It is. It's an incredible story. story. When you actually look at it, you're like, this guy's impressive. So I'm going to go with a guy next who, he never played college football. However, he was a tremendous track and field athlete in high school. Uh, while he was a 28-year-old teacher coaching JV football at Interborough High School in uh, Pennsylvania, this guy successfully tried out for a semi-pro football team where he succeeded on special teams for two seasons. While he was with the team, he lied and said he was 24 years old so they would take him seriously, well, even though he was 28. His performance was good enough that he earned a private workout with the Philadelphia Eagles and head coach Dick Vermeil. This guy ended up making the team, becoming the oldest rookie in NFL history at the age of 30, and played four seasons with Eagles. He was voted special teams captain and man of the year by his Eagles teammates in 1978. I'm talking about Vince Papali, nice Mr. Pick. Invincible. 
Fly, Eagles, fly. <laughs> Carson Wentz. How's that? Good pick. Good pick, Jamer. And Good the next pick. guy I'm going to take uh, rode the bench in high school due to his inability to make a simple layup and being undersized at five foot eleven as a senior. After high school, he worked as an overnight janitor at Dallas Fort Worth International Airport. Over the next couple of years, he experienced a sudden uh, growth spurt, shooting up to six foot seven. A family friend tipped off a nearby Cook County College head coach who talked this player into enrolling and joining the team. After a dominant semester there, he transferred to Southeastern Oklahoma State University, where he was a three-time NAIA All-American, and at the age of 25 was drafted by the Detroit Pistons in the 1986 draft. He won five NBA championships over 14 seasons while being one of the best defensive players to ever play the game. I'm talking about Dennis Rodman, who was inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame at two, in 2011. Nice pick. Solid pick. That's a good pick to use. And he's still overcoming life obstacles. Sure is. 100%. I just think it was amazing that he was like, he had that growth spurt when he was in his 20s. Yeah. Like early yeah. 20s or whatever. Yeah. It's it's insane. Okay. So uh, lots of people obviously to use for the pick. Um, I'm going to keep it in players. I'm going to go with either the last pick overall or one of the final picks overall in the major league draft as a friend, a favor oh. to Tommy Lasorda. I'm going to go with Mike Piazza. Yes, good pick, great pick, great pick. He was a favorite. Um, he was a fav, fa- uh, like a family friend, or his dad was friends with Lasorda. And That's then his said, godfather. Yeah, godfather. That's it. I'm going to pick this guy with one of the last picks, and yeah, call him what you want as a catcher. That guy could hit though. So, cheers to Mike Piazza. Well played. All right, last pick. I think I have to go with this one, uh, especially given last weekend's circumstances. I'm going with Buster Douglas knocking out nice. Mike Tyson in 1990. <laughs> probably, the, probably the biggest underdog going. So I'll go with that one. Great. Notable pick. mention to Matt Sarah knocking out GSP in his prime because that was around mm-hmm. the same kind of deal. But yeah, I'm going Buster Douglas for sure. Another great, great pick. pick. Great yeah. pick. There's some other guys. Who are some honorable honorable mentions? I had uh, Lynn Sanity as one of mine. Yeah, yeah. me too. You know who I had? American Pharaoh, the horse. <laughs> I had that down. Yeah, I was like, yeah. American Pharaoh was a pretty big underdog. He was, yeah. Whatever American Pharaoh had going. Um, the Jamaican bobsled team. Oh, oh my God. Switzer today at work. Great Chris pick. Came up and he's like, the Jamaican bobsled team. Okay. So those are a pick, few. Yeah. I was like, that's a good one. Switzy. Um, what, Doug Flutie. Yeah. I had Jim Morris, who they made the movie The Rookie about. Good one. He was a teacher, and he was away Do from the game for 10 years. we consider Doug Flutie an underdog? Yeah, he's so small. The, the only thing about Doug Flutie but he was won he on the huge Canada. stage. He went to Canada. Doug he Flutie so won the Heisman. Little. Yeah, I still he won had the Heisman, and he won. He had tremendous success in Canada. He, he still he never didn't got fail started. Anywhere. You know what I mean? Like he, no. he, was he did good. Buffalo put Rob Johnson in still but he, over this. But guy. his like numbers he never got a look. But he had a box of cereal called Flutie Flakes. No, they, he, they everyone they only, loved him. They only put Rob Johnson in because he got injured. Sure. All I know is my first Buffalo Bills game, they played the New England Patriots, and Doug Flutie beat Drew Bledsoe. He was awesome, but you've never felt like no one legitimized him. When he was a bear, they could care less about him. When That's he was true. In, as a bear, he had no chance. Yeah. Honorable the bears mention, haven't though, had a legit Honorable mention to the 1980 men's U.S. Olympic team. No. Uh, <laughs> I know. Um, uh, Tim Thomas, the goalie? Yes. Yeah, that's a great one. How about the other kid rookie. this week? Yeah. How about the kid this year? David yeah. Ailes beating the Leafs. Ah, I know. That's a great idea. <laughs> Zamboni guy. Uh, yeah, Zamboni David Freeze, the baseball player. Here's he a here's a controversial oh, one a for you guys. And, but yeah, I gotta say it though. Baker Mayfield. 
No. Loser. Absolutely not. So get this, though. He didn't receive an athletic scholarship out of high school anywhere. And he walked on at Texas Tech, which is nearby to where he grew up. After one year at Texas Tech and no scholarship offer, he ended up leaving school and attempted to walk on at Oklahoma. After sitting out the 2014 season, Mayfield ended up competing for and unexpectedly winning the QB starting QB role at Oklahoma. And then he ended up starting for three seasons and uh, won the Heisman Trophy, becoming the first ever walk-on to win the award. And then he won the Maxwell Award, Walter Camp, Davey O'Brien, AP Player of the Year, and was the first overall pick. That's pretty crazy. He makes good commercials. That's about it. <laughs> That's insane. Though, that. like, he was a two-time walk-on. Yeah. yeah. Give him credit. I mean, obviously. Him, I mean, he's not starting over Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. That's for sure. No. No. Yeah, there's lots of different ones out there if you actually kind of look around and think of it. Jeff Hostetler. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a good pick. You can keep going on and on. I had a yep. lot. Theo Fleury. Yeah. You can keep definitely, going. Definitely. Like, definitely. Little Mac and Punch Out. No, but <laughs> that guy's an underdog. Well but, done. Anyway, anyway, yeah. There's bun- There's lots. Yeah, for sure. All right, Webb, tell them where to hit us up. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening and engaging with us on social. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. And please continue to engage with us on Twitter, at Big League Flicks, and on Instagram, at Big League Flicks Pod. See everybody next week. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. Big League Flicks, Jordan, Christian, and Jammer talking movies about sports and the glitz and the glamour. Got a cold beer pairing for the leading lady staring. Fun facts and trivia, man, rocket comparing. Soundtracks and music, they'll rate all these things. Was it real or did they lose us as the fat lady sings? Talking junk, have a giggle, comedy, drama, romance. Did the film deliver six to noon in my pants? With their big bag of tricks, these podcast critics. Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan Christian and Jammer!